Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's do it. Every Thursday morning, after a long night of Wednesday playoff action, just waiting for you in your podcast feeds as you wake up. It's Point Point of Contention. contention. (laughs) On the Athletic NBA show as a part of the Athletic Podcast Network, it's myself, Zach Harper, teeing up the toughest topics and questions to Marcus Thompson, Jade Hoy producing. producing. Every Thursday, subscribe to the Athletic NBA show. Point of Contention. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to give you some of the craziest and most hard-hitting theories and takes of playoff action possible. And you'll get Point of Contention right in your eardrums. In fact... If you don't like it, we'll have a point of contention for you right here on The Athletic. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. And it is another Hoops Adjacent episode of The Athletic MBA Show. David Aldridge, I'm in Richmond, Virginia, if you guys can believe that this week, because the Washington football team is starting training camp on Wednesday. We're taping on Tuesday. There is a big old thundercloud right over us, so I may get end of earth thunder and lightning here in the next half hour, but we're going to push through with my man, Marcus Thompson, in the bay. What's up, sir? Why You're in Richmond, Virginia? I am. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I am... <laughs> Not in Richmond, Virginia. You I'm near not. Richmond, California, though. There you go. So I feel the synergy. I have been I, to Richmond, Virginia, though. Da. Oh yeah, I'm sure you have. What was it? What was it for? For business or for family? No, or we what? did a. Uh, our, when I went through the Sports Journalism Institute, ah, uh, our year, APSC was in Richmond, Virginia. Got you, got you. So got I learned you. all about the slip and the slope. <laughs> there you go. My uh-huh. first time, my first experience with the Bojangles. There you go. See? You know See? What I'm there you go. There you go. I'm going to go. I'm I'm always uh, partial to the stopping on Arthur Ashe Boulevard and just kind of like, I don't know, just, be, <laughs> just being obnoxious about it. Because <laughs> it took so hard. It took so long for them to rename it after Arthur Ashe, who was only one of the most... Consequential you people two miles an hour, so you know everybody I mean? sees you. <laughs> Take, taking selfies in the car. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Oh lord, it's ridiculous. All right, so let's get our guest in because he's going to wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold what, on, hold what, what, on. We got to clear something up. What's up? You're at a football practice at draft season. Like, what are you? Some kind of like I do it all, well-rounded bro. reporter? I do it all, bro. Him. Do it all. I, you know, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, I'm multi-dimensional. multi-dimensional. <laughs> I got to be here. For, and, and by the way, Ron Rivera went off to the Washington. That's that's unfair. He was very, he was not happy with the number of players that have not gotten vaccinated yet on his team because they got one of the one of the lowest rates in the in the league. And you know, he's a cancer survivor. So dude is like, come on, y'all. What? <laughs> What are y'all doing? You know, like he's like, I I had to deal with cancer last year, and y'all are tripping off of off of something like this, you know. So, especially with this team kind of set up to maybe be a contender this year, 
man, he he was not happy. But you know, just goes to show you, people got to be. It's, it's, I'm just gonna keep my mouth closed yeah. during this portion. <laughs> uh oh, I'm just not gonna say uh-oh, nothing. Uh oh, silence from Marcus. I don't know. Marcus is a little silent. I know it's not, not gonna not be silent. I'm not wading into these we, waters. Because we asked him to come and talk about the NBA draft, which is coming up on Thursday, which is more important to hoops adjacent, is our friend Sam Vecini. Sam. With the pick in the 2000 the guru NBA draft. It's NBA draft them. Select. The James Brown of the athletic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Don't Seriously, how many podcasts have you done already on in we're three days into the week? It's gotta be like thirty, right? Uh yeah. It's been, you know, quite a few. I'm probably into double digits at this point. But, you know, I'm I'm more than happy to make the time for you guys. I'm on with, you know, two of the people that I consider to be the absolute best people in this business. I, I oh, could man. not I appreciate be any more honored to come. The first thing we got to do, Sam, is plug the draft guide, which is just unbelievable. It's phenomenal. It's just the work that you did to get this. Nah, I got a, I got a bone to pick with this draft guide. No, I no. Well, first, there's no bone, but we got to come up with a nickname because Brugler's NFL guide is called the, it's the Beast. So yeah. we got to come up with a nickname for your draft guide, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got to come up with something like the crossover or something <laughs> like that. What do you think? I'm getting, I, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired of. It. Y'all, especially you, Sam, trying to make me look bad <laughs> because I don't do that much work. Like, this is crazy. You, did it have to be 130-something pages? 99 wouldn't have done it? Well, I feel like you're trying to show us I up. think last year's was like 99. Uh, yeah, look, I, I just try to put out what I think is the best product on the market for this. And look, like the ringer has lifted its game, yeah. you know. But this is Draft Express and those guys are still out there. I feel like I need to do something. Uh, I need to lift my game in order to uh, in order to accomplish my goal with this thing. Dude, this is insane. I mean, seriously, it's crazy. This is insane. Like, it's wild. Here's what I, this has been my rule of thumb, and I do a little bit of draft stuff. Nothing near compared to what Sam does every year. But I do this confidential thing where I ask people to give me their, you know, honest truth about who they like and who they don't like and why and all that sort of thing. And I always go, I always say, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to try to get 30 guards, 30 wings and 30 centers because that's 90 players. That's enough, right? (laughs) That's enough. These 90 guys aren't going to get drafted. 60 guys are going to get drafted. And then Sam does like. I'll, how many guys do you do? How many guys are, are in the A hundred in the draft guide plus five more that like pulled out of the draft, basically. Oh, my God. Yeah. So how do you know when to stop? How do you know when you're at like 108, guy 108, and you just go, hey, I don't think so. I don't think you make it this year. It's got to be like near death, right? <laughs> it's like when you decide your body can't do it anymore. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, it, it kind of is at that point because the guy is near the end tend to be the last ones that like just go on at the end. Right. Because of the international deadline, because of the college deadline, it just ends up being a deal where like, Oh shit. Like I got to get McCurr maker on here. Oh wait, now McCurr maker pulled out. I got to get, um, you know, who, who's a hundred. I, I think I forget even who a hundred oh, is. It's Lord. like 7am here. Amar, what's his name? Oh, Amar, the dude Amar? From- oh Amar Sia. Yeah. yeah, yeah he's from- not very good, no. but he's super athletic. <laughs> so 
Like, you know, it's, you know, you got to write something real quick on a Marcia. When when McCurmaker pulled out of the draft the day before we were about to publish this thing, that was, uh, that was a bit of a panic. He was one of Marcella from Ustende. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Here's the part that was crazy. And I, I really have to give you a hard time about this, Sam. Like, it's enough to mention them. Put some stats in there. So he's got, for each, he's got a background. And then he's got strength. Parents' names. And then he's got weaknesses. <laughs> and then he's got a summary, as if the background strength and weaknesses wasn't enough. <laughs> and guess where he finally pairs it down to just background and summary? Number 80. Like, you could have stopped. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Look, look. What's how you say it? What's the guy from the G League and like Nick, Nick's? Dacian I think Nicks, he was. Yeah. Dacian, I think he was the last guy where you had the full thing from. Or I'm like, I mean, I don't know if I needed to know all that from him. You know, I'm just like, yeah, Sam. like my boy's the got the thing is though, that, like, here. <laughs> and like 98 oh, yeah, percent of people who follow the league have no idea what an exhibit ten is. They don't have any idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like I, I do legitimately have like NBA teams reach out to me and be like, hey, like, what do you think of this uh, E10 guy? What do you think of Derek Alston? What do you think right? of Matt Mitchell? Dude, like, that's got to be year. awesome. I mean, that has got to be like the biggest, e- not ego thing, but just proud, man. Like they like you, they know you know what you're talking about. I don't know karate, but I know karate. Yeah, I mean, any time I get a call like that, it's uh, uh, it's all it's all just incredibly uh, kind. Like any time someone reaches out, I'm just so uh, so grateful. At the end of the day, yeah, um, it's a lot of work. It's a labor of love for sure, and uh, you know, it's it's just trying to trying to figure out. You know what? What people want in the case of Dacian Nix, you know, Dacian Nix came in. He was the best point guard in high school basketball sure, last year. Sure, and you know, I, I felt like I felt like he deserved an explanation why he was why he was much lower on my board yeah. than where he is yeah. anywhere else. I feel like hey, that that level of commitment and thoroughness and work ethic and detail is will never be found on. On my on my end, so I'm glad, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad well, that I'll, you're doing it. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, though, too. Like, I, I really do consider it like a thing that I need to give these players like enough time, yeah. right? I need to give them like a genuine evaluation. I need to make sure that like the first thing that's going out on them is they enter the NBA. Yeah, is something relatively detailed and fair to them mm-hmm. because at the end of the day. Like, this is going to be the first impression of these guys for a lot of people. So, uh, you know, in terms of fairness to the players, like, everything I do is kind of just out of respect and deference to uh, the people who actually do this on the court. So, you know, it's important to me that at the end of the day, uh, you know, the the things that are going out on them, they can't – they might disagree with it, but they can't come back at me and be like, what are you doing? Like, you're not putting in the work. Now, what, you know what I mean, what do you do? When, I mean, I'm sure you get I'm sure you hear from players, you hear from players, families. I'm sure you hear from players, agents when they're not ranked as high as, as they think they should be. And how do you I mean, do you literally say, dude, I wrote one hundred and thirty pages on the draft. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Or do you hear do you hear people out and, and occasionally accept the fact that they may have a point? 
Yeah, I'll always hear people out. Like a, a lot of it is not from the players. The players that tend to reach out to me more want constructive like feedback yeah. and criticism. Right. Um the and like if you're reaching out to someone who does this, I feel like you're reaching out because you want to see where someone falls on you, right? Yeah. It's more like the runners and like the people connected with players. Honestly, like a lot of the agents they don't really get too frustrated with me because at the end of the day, it's my ranking and they know that I put in the work. It's not like I'm just throwing something out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's more like I got someone connected with a player that I've like ranked in the seventies and he was like, yeah, you know, my player, he's getting, um, you know, real looks in the forties and fifties. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, totally buy that. He's going to end up on a two-way contract. I think that's, you know, absolutely reasonable. And he's like, no, nah, he's, he's going to get a guarantee. We wouldn't have stayed in if he's not going to get a guaranteed deal. And I was like, look, man, here's the math on it. Two of the last 22 guys that have been picked 50 and later in the last two drafts, which are like the applicable drafts since we've gone into a different paradigm here yeah. in terms of two-way contracts. Uh, two of those 22 guys have gotten guaranteed deals. The math's against you. I'm rooting for the kid. I, I hope that you guys are right because at the end of the day, I want all of these kids to succeed. But, you know, the math's against you and, you know, hope we'll, we'll see where it goes. Right. Yeah. And if and, he's right, wouldn't, what, what does it matter if where he is on your right. list? <laughs> totally. It's exactly right. Like if someone, if the Pelicans like his guy enough to give him a guaranteed contract, my man's making nine hundred thousand dollars next year. Why the fuck does he care where I have him ranked? Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I know I'm old enough to to understand that when you get within say ninety six hours of the draft, the stuff that just comes out of nowhere, or the stuff that is sudden, you know, this breaking news about what a team likes or doesn't like, or they like this person or that person, almost always. Is complete and utter bullshit. So I just want to say that right at yeah. the top. Well, well, DA, th this is an interesting question for you as someone who, you know, you're in Richmond right now covering the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> I've always felt like the NBA is not nearly as bad with the smokescreen stuff as the NFL, like seems to be. Look, I, I don't cover the NFL. I don't necessarily know. Yeah, yeah. But I just know people who cover the NFL draft and they say it's like just insane, right? I've never felt like it's bananas with the NBA. Like I've never felt like people are willfully misleading me up until like this 72 hour period. Right. Like, do you feel that way that the NBA is much different in regard to I this process? I, than I'm, the not NFL? Gonna, I'm not going to pretend like I cover the NFL draft. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not. I do. It's nuts. Yeah. I'm sure it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's crazy just because there's more guys, right? There's more, there's more guys right. in, yes. the, in the pool. Yes. Um, but I do think that there, I, well, look, I'm not a big agent guy. You know what I mean? Like I right. understand that there are some people that, that traffic in that and it's okay. Good for them. It's a living. I just, I'm just not a guy that's going to blithely accept someone's version of the truth because it makes them look better. It makes their client look better. And so right. when you get around this time and agents are telling, well, my guy, you know, he's, he's going to be in the top 15 and you go, no, he's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you just have to say that. But then you, you know, all of a sudden you get these, I'll, 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 I'll say this, like the sudden 
so-and-so had a great workout for whoever. Doesn't matter what the team is. Doesn't matter yeah. who the player is. And now they're being seriously be considered for number one or number four or number eight or number whatever. And you just go, well, wait a minute. You have, even in, even in the COVID era, you have mountains of evidence and tape and intel that you've done and background checks. And you've talked to players, moms, and you've talked to their best friends, and you've talked to the trainer on their high school team. And you know everybody, all the ball boys on every team they've ever played on. And you know their pastor and their counselors. You tell me one workout's going to change. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, so it's just like this, I, is, this is crap. Like, I, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I, I cannot wrap my head around the like pro day industry that seems to have like taken hold in the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. And, and frankly, like I talked to NBA executives, and look, there are some. Especially this year, for instance, there are some that did really want to see players come in in person, see what their shooting form looks like up close, yeah. you know, see what their athleticism looks like up close. I, I get all that. Like, I, I think that this year particularly, there's a relative case for it. But man, like, there, there are some executives I talk to that just like laugh this shit off. Yeah. Like, they're like, they, they don't find any use in it. They, they do it because it's part of the process now and because they want to have dinner with the guy, right? Like they want to have him come in. They want to learn more about him. They want to maybe get their own measurements on him uh, and just kind of see where he falls at the end of the day. And yeah, they'll work him out just because he's there and they'll see what it looks like. But like when people come in for workouts, the, the stuff that matters is not he shot 75 out of 100 at the end of practice like shooting drill right it's hey like we really enjoyed our time with this guy having dinner with him we think he'll fit in our locker room at the end of the day right right so you you, you mentioned like the rise and fall this this part of the draft i kind of like because you start getting true or false you start getting a feel for where people are going right and it seems like Jonathan Kaminga is the the name that started higher than where he is now, right? I don't I don't know yeah. if I want to say fall. It's not like he, I don't think he's going fourteen, but <laughs> right. it, but it feels like he was the top five guy, and now you know he could go as high as or as low as seven. Um, what 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 happens in that situation? What does it take from your experience for a player to drop? Right, I I remember when Paul George fail in the draft and I think Paul Pierce too uh and you hear the whispers and stuff and obviously those were wrong but what what typically does it take for a player who was once three or four to end up seven to ten so I think there are two big parts of it at the end of the day the first one is Throughout the year, I've kind of been, you know, reporting and I don't really expect like anyone to read the intros of the mock drafts, right? Yeah. Everyone just tries to go to the order, but teams have been like kind of behind throughout the year because it was a weird deal in regard to having to totally adjust your scouting process for COVID. Like scouts are used to being out on the road seeing a guy twice, you know, seeing him once during the regular season, once during conference tournament, you know, maybe if they love him, they'll see him a third time throughout the year. I think there was a bit of a different paradigm this year and scouts got a little bit behind in their 
process. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to say that like negatively of scouts that they weren't doing their job. I just think that it was a difficult circumstance for everyone involved in the draft process. So what, what I think ends up happening is that evaluators at the end of the college season really do the deep dive into tape and they really do the deep dive into trying to understand the context of each player's situation uh, to make them kind of just just feel better about the way the whole thing is going, right? So uh, I think that the first place where guys end up falling is guys catching up on tape and realizing, oh, Jonathan Kaminga, like half the time was not in a defensive stance, right? Like things that like you wouldn't necessarily pick up on the first viewing. Right. Oh, half the time, like he wasn't making any sort of real rotation defensively on the weak side. Yeah. And that starts to raise questions with Kaminga, particularly on the defensive end. The shooting percentage is like, that's a question, obviously. But yeah. you dig into the tape I, I, and it's like, and okay, so I, this is a problem. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Mm-hmm. DA, are you there? Yes. Yes. Do you hear me? Go ahead, Sam. All right. Yep. You're back. I'm back. Yeah, so, no, no, I was just... And, you know, it's fascinating that you mentioned Kaminga because because obviously obviously part of his story story is is, this this is a guy that came came over here at a very very young age. And it's fascinating to see the difference of opinions about what that means about him. You know what I mean? Like, it's fascinating to see some people go, well, yeah, but, you know, you know. You gotta you, lot, you gotta you gotta look go into his background. It's not good. There's a lot of there's a lot of you know. Yeah, we're losing you. Oh, you got me now. D A D A D A D A D A D A. You got me now. Sorry. Um, finish it somewhere. D A. Yes, you got me now. Yeah, you got me now. Uh, yeah, you went crazy robot on us. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, so I'll just say. Just wait till that signal settles down. Very, very heavy Hancock. I'll put a beat on it. Don't worry. Rocket. Rocket. Um, keep talking to me. One, two, three, four. It is fascinating to me that people's opinions nope, are nope, so nope. different on a guy like Kanga because he came over at a very young age. So Sam, so Sam, you were saying. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we'll just uh, we'll go on. The second thing can be can be background stuff, right? Like there are a couple of. Guys in this year's draft and like, look, I, I really don't like getting into the background stuff like in a public forum because that's just not, uh, not, not something I enjoy doing. But there are a couple guys that I think teams just want to know more about. Maybe let's say they, they want to. Um, they're doing the deep dive and they're trying to understand. Or they learned something already that scared them, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that stuff happens too, for sure. So I, I do think there are a few guys this year where teams are trying to navigate the way that their comfort level with certain things off the court or certain you know ways that a, a person is going to interact with the locker room. It just uh, I wonder about. You know, like when a guy like, you know, say Kaminga falls and without knowing the reason, you kind of don't know 
if it's a gift or a curse, right? Part the part of you as a GM would have yeah. to be like, and I, obviously they know more than what I know, right? But right. part of you have to be like, yo, why is this dude available to me? What has happened? But then the other part is, this is the great part about the draft is somebody might fall to you. And that for me seems like a weird space. I, I, I'm sure it's different. It's a different space when you know what the reasons are, right? When you know what people are saying in areas that I don't get, you know, I don't get access to, but if they fail to your team, say if you're Memphis and somehow you're sitting there looking at Kaminga at 10, it's like, yo, why is he here? What, what has happened? As a po- or is it like a yo? This is incredible. One of the top players in the draft has fallen. That always feels like a weird space to me on draft day. Well, and it is especially a weird space because oftentimes the guys that fall don't go into like pre-draft meetings and workouts with the teams that they fall to, right? Like Memphis in this case, uh, you know was smart and I think their front office does a really good job pre-draft and in the draft process you know before they went up to number 10 they did a meeting or did a workout with James Booknight they did a meeting with or a workout with Jonathan Kaminga right according to John Gavoni I I haven't uh I've not necessarily talked to Memphis about this but you know they went and did their homework reportedly at least so you know a lot of the time though teams don't necessarily have that uh, ha- have that time and have that even ability to meet with these players because agents, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, end up withholding them from certain points of the draft, saying, "Look, you'd be wasting your time. We'd be wasting the time of my client. Um, we're not going to have you go into the team that's picking number ten, number eleven, number twelve because we just don't think it's worth it." Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. So another thing that I really want to get ask you about is Cade Cunningham. And you've been on Cade consistently harder than everybody, right? Like, I feel like I, for, I for love three Cade. Years. I feel like <laughs> I, I love Cade. I don't know if it's because of you or... <laughs> I love Kate and you give me the validation for loving Kate. But am I wrong? And it seems like he's there's at least a segment that's not viewing him as a to put it the way you put it, a tier one player where maybe he's closer to the rest of the pack. It feels like that's what's happening. We read about the Pistons considering, you know, Jalen Green or Evan Mobley and 
there was a time where, like last year, it was like tank for Cade, right? Everybody, Cade is the guy. Cade is the guy. Now it feels like, I mean, he's good, but it seems like there's a segment that's saying maybe he's not as good as we thought. And as someone who's been on Cade hard for a while, where is this coming from and what is it? So I I think it comes from the the Pistons thing, I think, is almost like an anomaly. Uh, It's just Troy Weaver being as thorough as he is and being a bit of a different thinker in in regard to the draft process. Like he is not necessarily uh, like a groupthink GM, right? Not to say that I'm like a groupthink evaluator, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think that. Troy Weaver is one of the more open-minded general managers in regard to going through his own process every single time and trying to determine what he thinks is best. We'll see if it ends up being Cade. Everything that I've been told is that it's still the most likely outcome, but you know, we'll see at the end of the day. The big segment that I think the Cade question marks are coming from are the analytics community. And the reason for that is that Cade Cunningham's passing and playmaking ability are not really included within the analytic breakdowns or like the stats-based breakdowns of his game because at Oklahoma State, he was needed to be much more of a scorer. And then additionally at Oklahoma State, there was an issue of absolutely zero space for him to operate on the court. The best three-point shooter on his team last year, uh, who took more than like 23s over the course of the entire season, made like 33%. And then like they had a couple guys out there that were just non-shooters, like Ice Likely and Caleb Boone are just like non-shooters. And then they had another guy out there shooting like 31, 29% from three. So every time Cade Cunningham drove to the paint, it was just teams were collapsing on him constantly to the point where he had no space to operate. And additionally, on top of that, the college basketball court, I think people don't really recognize how big the difference is in the geometry of the college basketball court in comparison to the NBA court. These big, like six foot eight ball handlers, even when they do have space, Sometimes that space gets taken up just because they're bigger than these smaller guards. And these, you know, college referees love calling charges more than anything on planet Earth. So, like, what ends up happening is they have to be so careful and they have to, like, deal with guys digging into their handle and collapsing into the paint and doing X, Y, and Z. And the way that that affected Cade this year was he ended up turning the ball over. Right. He turned the ball over, I think, like 3.8 times a game. But it was more of a usage question as opposed to like a, uh, oh, my God, he's, you know, he can't handle. He has he has a high handle. He has bad ball handling ability. No, it's the context of the situation. So I I think that the, the people that have him a little bit lower are combining the fact that he isn't like a traditional elite level explosiveness athlete like Jalen Green is like you know a freak show athletically Kate Cunningham's not that on top of it he turned the ball over quite a bit and didn't have like the crazy assist numbers because his teammates missed a bunch of shots so uh, I think that the stats-based 
you know, analysts often end up losing a little bit of the context. And that's why I appreciate like someone like Kevin Pelton, who does this as much as he does, right? Or John Hollinger at our website. Um, I just happened to read Pelton today, which is why I said Pelton. Um, like he's still, you know, they have Kate Cunningham, number one, number two, because they understand the context of the situation and try to navigate that as opposed to just like blindly going off of the numbers, yeah. which is what I think some other, even people in NBA front offices do at the end of the it, day. It is fascinating to me to watch people talk themselves out of three years of evaluating somebody or one year of evaluating somebody, you know, yeah. that you would, you would find a reason not to take the guy that you know you're supposed to take, <laughs> you know, like, and I know part of it is you want to play devil's advocate and you don't want to have, you know, Sphere. group think. <laughs> but on the other hand, you do have to trust your eyes at some point, right? I mean, you have to trust your eyes. That's right. what you're, that's why you're getting paid is to evaluate, to make a decision. This player right. can do this. So it, it is amazing to me, especially again, in the last three or four days before a draft where you hear so much about, well, this is why so-and-so is falling or so-and-so is maybe dropping a little bit. If it's not a medical, now medical is a completely different thing, but yep. if it's basketball, why would you allow, why would you talk yourself out of what you just spent 18 months talking yourself into? Right. In the case of someone like Troy Weaver, this is why I kind of called him a bit of an anomaly in terms of this, because the entire time, like the night of the lottery, what I reported was, Look, like throughout the year, I've heard Troy Weaver really likes Jalen Green, yeah. right? And the Detroit Pistons really like Jalen Green. I think that they're going to undertake a process. Everyone around them seems to think they're going to undertake a process. In the case of Troy Weaver, like, you know, he, he's gotten a lot of stuff right. Like he played a pretty big role in the Oklahoma City sure. Thunder, sure. like drafting Russell Westbrook right. from what I gather. That's right. right? That's correct. So and play he, he's played a pretty big role. And insisting that he's right. a point guard. Yes. And insisting that he was a point guard. Like he played an enormous role in having Isaiah Stewart, who made the all rookie team this year, drastically higher than most teams did on their board last year. Yeah. So uh, I, I, in his case, particularly, I think that he comes at it from such a different lens in a good way that he's always going to undertake a process. So I think that's why there's no certainty here in regard to what the Pistons are going to do yet. Yeah. I think it's exceedingly likely that they're going to take Cade Cunningham. Right. But I, I, like, I really respect the process that Troy Weaver has undertaken because I, I know that he's just going about what he was always going to do in this process. He's not talking himself out of it, kind of like you're describing, Dia. Yeah, yeah. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So you, you wrote in your latest mock draft that... 
Cleveland is, I mean, obviously you got one and two, Cade and Jalen. Those been kind of, I don't think you've changed those for a while now, right? Uh, and Mobley, you say there's no changes there at Cleveland at three. And it looks like the draft, the first like interesting where it gets you don't know is Jalen to Toronto. Uh, yeah, Suggs. J- yeah, sorry. I forget this 98 Jalen. Suggs <laughs> to Toronto. Marcus, I've been having so many problems with that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it's like, yo, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, and they might want Jalen Brown. And I'm like, Jalen Johnson. Like, this, man, this is too much, yep. right? Yep. So is what what – what is is the difference between whether Toronto takes Suggs, Barnes, Kaminga, what happens on the market, or they aren't necessarily sold on one of those players as the pick there? Is it is it a matter of they love Suggs, they'll take Suggs, or they're trying to make a move and how it all fits will determine what they end up getting will determine if the pick is involved or even if they take uh, one of these players. Yeah, the impression that I've gotten to this point, and I, I will say, like, I, I do think Toronto is pretty good at keeping things close to the vest. Yes. <laughs> is that they may not quite think in the same way that I do that Jalen Suggs is like a top four player in a similar tier with Jalen Green and Evan Mobley, right? Now, that, that's not to say that they aren't going to take him at four. That's not to say they don't love him as a prospect. The impression that I get is more, they think he's a lot more similar to guys like Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kaminga. Mm. Again, they might end up taking him at number four and liking him more than those guys. But I can't really get a read on where they are right now. And part of the reason that I can't get a read on where they are right now is that I think they are like really involved in trade discussions. Yes. Like, I think that they wouldn't mind trying to move up. I think they wouldn't mind moving down. Uh, I, I know that there was a report about Ben Simmons, you know, with a trade construction that seemed honestly like not even really <laughs> doable in terms of the CBA, <laughs> but like <laughs> regardless, right. right. Uh, it seems like they, there might be some interest in Ben Simmons, uh, at least according to the reporting. So I, I think that they right now are kind of the, the one that I can't figure out and the way that they make their decision at number four is going to really shape I don't know if it's going to shape the rest of the draft, but it's going to shape the next few picks at the very least. Right. Which shapes the rest of the draft, though. <laughs> so it kind of like it kind of does. Well, uh, it, it, it The reason that I'm like a little bit skeptical on that is, OK, so let's say that they move like I've kind of gone through like a number of the like potential outcomes here. So let's say that they take Jalen Suggs, you know, Scotty Barnes probably still goes five. Right. James Book Knight or Jonathan Kaminga goes six, and then the Warriors are up, and the Warriors are the ones that really shape the draft, right? Let's say they take Scotty Barnes. I think Orlando probably takes Jalen Suggs, and then we're kind of just back to where we started, right? So uh, the, the only way would Kaminga. be like if they made some Ooh, crazy trade, right? Yeah. Or if they take Kaminga, which like, I mean, if they take Kaminga, I, I don't really know. But, um, you know, Masai is very smart, and, and I've just – learn not to doubt Masai. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. 
Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I don't doubt Masai either. So, <laughs> Sam, as we as we get near the draft, I, I'm I'm always fascinated by what you see as somebody who does this, you know, deeper and with more yeah. detail than anybody. Are there traits of successful draft picks? And I'm not Ooh. necessarily talking about skill set. I mean, if a guy can shoot, obviously he's going to be help. He's going to he's going to make it. If a guy can handle, obviously he's got a good chance of making it. If he's a great defensive player, but are there traits? personality traits or, or, or individual, um, individual qualities of a person that lead them to be successful in drafts. Are are you talking from an executive level or a player? No, a player level, a player level. As you, as you evaluate these players, you go, these people all had these same characteristics and it's not a surprise that they are, either drafted higher or that they are succeeding when, when a lot of people thought maybe they wouldn't. Yeah. I would say the big one is emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys that are like emotionally mature, comfortable in their own skin, um, uh, understand their role. I think those guys, not to say that they're all successful, but I think that those guys position themselves better for success early in their NBA career because they, they just, aren't going to come in and like try and rock the boat. They aren't going to get upset. They aren't going to get frustrated. They aren't going to like, you know, have a meltdown if things don't go their way early on, because at the end of the day, being a rookie in the NBA is really fucking hard. Yeah. And these guys have to come in and they're going to have to leap over that rookie wall. They're going to have to um, overcome adversity in some regard. So I think emotional maturity is probably the thing that stands out to me the most. Um, Another trait I would say in regard to hitting a ceiling, like the guys that, you know, go from being, you know, 15th on draft night, your Donovan Mitchells, your Giannis Antetokounmpo's competitiveness, Mm -hmm. like these dudes that are crazy competitors, I I think give themselves a chance to, really change the way that people think. Like you always hear, you know, Marcus, you're dealing with it right now, probably with Davion Mitchell in the Bay, right? Like, you know, people are like, Davion Mitchell is going to turn 23 before the draft. Like his ceiling is low. (laughs) You talk to anyone that has been around Davion Mitchell, you you don't get the impression that uh, Davion Mitchell is going to plateau anytime soon just because he's so competitive and because his work ethic is as crazy as it is. So we might I, as well I think be those are the Chris two Duarte that stand AARP card you at this point, right? Like, like, he's going to be 24. <laughs> oh my God. He's like, yo, he's, he's ready right now. <laughs> <laughs> it gets held against him. You know, it's crazy. It's just, it's crazy that, that we're still talking about the draft in this way. But um, so let's, let's get you out. Cause you got to go and I don't want to keep you, but let's get you out on this. Like, give me the, give me your, you know, one or two guys that that you think will move up just because you have a feeling, spidey sense or whatever, and one or two guys that you're not going to be shocked if they slip a little. I mean, Jalen Johnson's the one that I I think is going to slip. Look, 
part of this is like, I, I've just never had a good grade on him. Like I've never coming into the year. I had him at like 19. There was never a point where I had him in the lottery this year. Yeah. I, you know, there are questions regarding left IMG midseason last year, left Duke midseason this year. Teams are still trying to figure that out. Right. Teams are still trying to figure out like, how does he interact with teammates? Yep. I think all of that stuff. So when those questions come up, I think the guys tend to drop on draft night. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, a guy that a guy that could rise up the board. I mean, I feel like I feel like we're at the point now where Moses Moody is pretty solidly in the lottery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like we're at the point where James Booknight has like already risen up. You know, if there's a guy that I think a team could trade up for and try to like jump some of these teams at the end of the first round, it wouldn't surprise me if that name was Josh Primo out of Alabama. And the reason I say that is I just continue to get really high level reports about what he looked like in workouts. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, you always take those with a grain of salt. Right. right. That's right. But I think that teams were interested to see what he looks like outside of the role that he played at Alabama this year, where he was essentially just like a floor spacer. Yeah. Right. And, you know, teams have been impressed with what they saw. So do I understand a world where a team is going to take Josh Primo over Cam Thomas, who finished fourth in the country in scoring at, you know, 18 years old? Yeah. Personally, I don't as many questions as I personally have about Cam Thomas. Mm -hmm. I I can't figure that one out entirely, but you know, if, if teams really want Josh Primo, so be it. Like if he ended up in the late teens, I don't think I'd be surprised by that at this point. Wait, wait, I got one more. I got one more. You mind if I get one more in here? Go, go. Please. You've got, you guys have got, I've got 10 minutes. You guys have uh, all the time in the world. So uh, I, I love how you essentially break up the uh draft guy right and like tier one Cade superstar tier two is the all-star upside right which is Jalen Evan Mobley Jalen Suggs Evan Mobley Jalen Green which of the tier three guys well, do you think Warriors is most tank. likely <laughs> no which of the t- <laughs> which of the tier three guys do you think could end up being like when we look at this thing in three years in that tier two category, right? Like, okay, they should have, maybe they could have belonged with, uh, with Jalen and, you know, in that level, like, cause tier three, if is it, it's, it's no, it's It's, not, it's starters, right? High leverage starters, high leverage starters in tier three. Who from tier three has that all-star potential you kind of assign for tier two? Yeah. And I'll include tier four in this because like tier three for me, like is only like Kaminga and Barnes, right? Like I'll, I'll include tier four here because uh, I think that it's just worth getting like a wider swath of names. Uh, in terms of just like crazy upside, I'll, I'll be honest, like if I would have filed this, you know, a week later, you know, just trying to think about the way that I think Alperin Shengun's game has a chance to like really work. Yeah. It's hard to win MVP of the Turkish league, man, yeah. as a teenager. Yeah. Like the, the dudes in that league are real. Like I think like James Blackman, like McDonald's all American was in that league. Uh, I think like Kyle Wilcher no, was in that le- league. No, it's a legit, you know? really good league. Yes. Yes. It, it's like a great league. Yeah. And to win MVP of that as a teenager is crazy to me. 
uh, he people get this impression that he is like this white stiff kid who looks like Ennis Cantor, right? still doing that? <laughs> crazy. Yeah, but like, that's just like not who he is as a player. Yeah. Like, he can drive, he can attack. Like he did like a 360 dunk in a game this year out in transition. Um, like not to say that like that's applicable to regular moments in a basketball <laughs> game necessarily, but you know, he's not some, you know, uh, some stiff athlete who can't do anything. Yeah. So, uh, I really think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be really, really good offensively. I'm not totally sure what you do with him on defense yet because uh, he's just a little bit undersized yeah. for the center position, but I think he's going to be really, really good offensively. The, the other guy that I think just has a crazy high upside, if it all comes together, is Zyre Williams mm. at Stanford. Yes, that's mm-hmm. who I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, great positional size, great athleticism. You watch the way that he gets into his pull-up game. It's very impressive. He has the same kind of body mechanics and the same kind of like ability to change pace and get guys on their back foot and then step back that high-level NBA scorers have. The problem is that he has like zero contact balance right now, right. <laughs> and he's 175 pounds, right. so he's going to have to like play in the G league for a year and continue to put on strength and continue to, uh, you know, deal with, uh, just like core, you know, I I don't know the body mechanics of it, but like just deal with being able to take contact at the end of the day. Right. If he does that, I I think that the upside is very high with Zyre Williams. I I was intrigued by the fact that he was number 15 in, in the draft guy, but you had him slotted at 18 because he's so tricky to figure out where he could go but so the talent is there just the question marks too so he, he's intriguing to me most you know he's a stanford guy so i've yeah. seen him a lot it was yeah. it was interesting to talk to a couple of coaches about him that that whose teams played against him that they thought part of part of the reason why his numbers didn't pop was that it was just so much i don't know competition or or you know everybody wanted to be the guy on that team they didn't want this yeah. kid to be the guy on that team, but he was better than everybody else. And so eventually they kind of gave in, but they feel like that might have impacted him a little bit. And that the upside is to your point, Sam and, and Marcus as well, is just the upside is really intriguing on a kid like that with a kid like that. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head DA. Like the, the deal at Stanford was a little bit weird this year. Plus, I mean, they were like out on the road for like two months. Right, to right, start right, the year. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like they, they were not in like if if there was a single program that was most affected by the pandemic this year, it was probably Stanford. Yeah. At the end of the day, right. So and then uh, if I remember correctly, like he had at least one death in the family. He might yeah, two, two, two. Correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just I feel like everything conspired against him yeah. a little bit this year, uh, in a way that. You know, I, I hope it doesn't going forward because he's a very real uh, potential high upside player that, and here's the other thing too. Like you talk to Stanford's coaches about him. Mm-hmm. They love him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he ended up like leaving their program to, you know, deal with the death and the deaths in the family a couple times. They, they would have every reason to be disappointed with how this season went for him. Yeah. And throughout the year, not just at the end of the year when they're like, you know, trying to cover their own ass in some cases with coaches that like maybe have players they don't love. Yeah, right. right, right. Uh, and they're trying to bullshit you. But throughout the year, like they were just like, man, like we really like Zaire. He's a real worker. He has like 
such a great mindset when he's in, like we, we think he's a great kid, you know, you'd hear that throughout the year. So uh, I think he has everything that he needs to get there. It's just maybe the frame doesn't take weight yeah. in the way that we hope it does. Right. 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 No, I mean, some guy, I mean, you know, Brandon Ingram is Brandon Ingram. He's that's that's his body type. You know, you know, like he's not going to ever be 250 ever. You know what I mean? And it's okay because he still is able to get around and and but he's strong enough to deal with contact. And I think that's where Zaire, you know, is going to have to live in the weight room for a couple of years. You know, and and but but the potential is is quite interesting, right? Quite intriguing. Sam, all the way across the world, man, thank you so much for for joining us this week. Really appreciate it. I know you're in big demand. Look, y'all, I don't plug too many people, but if you don't, if you don't understand how, how hard this brother works on this draft guide, it's unbelievable. Yo, this is the greatest this is ridiculous. thing, man. This like, is ridiculously good. I mean, I just can't, I'll never work like this hard. This like an employee handbook you want to read. You know? you know <laughs> that's, that's exactly right, Marcus. That's a, that's a perfect way to put it. <laughs> oh, my God. Subsection 17. Guys. <laughs> like I, I mean to hear this coming from you guys i mean like just we'll put a smile on my face the rest of the day like you two guys like i i can't overestimate how high you guys are i mean god da like i mean my my i will tell my dad that i was podcasting with david aldrich today and he'll have a fucking meltdown yeah. you know what i mean like uh it, it's just you know you guys are you guys are legends in the business so i'm always uh i'm always available to you man i appreciate it sam seriously i appreciate it i just ain't doing this much work yeah exactly. i don't care no, what ain't happening ain't happening sam <laughs> exactly this is sam space <laughs> this is <his> i'm out <laughs> of uh, you bro so look man get some rest um it's been I'm sure you're starting on the 2022. What? He still got two more days. Ain't no rest. No, I'm, saying, nah, he, I'm sure that he'll start. He probably already start. Got, probably already got 78 pages of the 2022 guide done already. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Sam's what it is. As soon as the last pick is made, he's like, "All right, 2022." Like, let's Here we go. go, guys. Guys. I have a 2022 mock file. Yeah. See? Like, See? There it is. I get asked for it. Yeah. I don't even love doing it. Like this next year is going to be a shit show beyond all shit oh, shows. Man. So like, you know, I, I don't even love doing it, but I have it filed yeah. and I'm excited for people to read it. Um, no, I mean, I, I we have free agency in two days after this. Yeah. Then I get to take a break. It's crazy. Then I'll take two weeks off and we'll we'll be recharging. Jumping again. again. Jumping again. Well earned. Man, well thank earned. you again. Thanks to all of you for listening. Please leave that five-star review. You know where to leave it. On Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you hear our fine, fine collection of NBA podcasts. And Marcus, if it's less than five stars, what do they need to do? Man, keep it to yourself, sucker. Haters. Later.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.